Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of the Retrospectors podcast. We're definitely moving along at a decent clip now. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined by my co-host, James Turlings. How are you today, James? Uh, really tired. I stayed up till like 4am last night beating people up in Mortal Kombat 11, so, you know, just want oh to go back God. to bed, honestly. You're not a huge fighting game fan, are you? I'm not. I um. I well, firstly, I'm complete rubbish at uh, fighting games. There's something about them I just can't get into. So, um, fingers crossed, we never have to do one for the podcast. Oh, uh, that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last night, um, I, I thought I had a big night. I was playing um poker with uh, friends, had a few drinks, of course, and uh, unfortunately lost all of my money. Uh, so that that was pretty depressing, but it uh, sounds like at, in the end you had a better night than I did. Yeah, so you didn't win me lunch. <laughs> no, although I do owe you lunch from that time before. Me, I've been um, I've been playing Binding of Isaac a lot. I don't know, have you have you ever played Isaac at all? I got like six hundred hours in that game. Yeah, really? I had Maybe? no idea you were such a big fan. Maybe let me check. I will just open Steam quickly. Um, so, yeah, I've um, played that game a lot. I wouldn't say I've progressed very far in it. You know, I get into these, I won't play it for like a good year or two, and then when I pick it up, I'll just go really hard into it. See, Binding of Isaac for me is the ultimate 20-minute game. If I've got 20 minutes spare, I fire it up and try and run through it. Isaac is a game that I've basically, um, I've basically finished. Like, I've unlocked not quite everything, but pretty close to everything you possibly can. And it's like a heavily randomized roguelike zelda sort of game it's fantastic i highly recommend it to anyone and everyone it's only like 20 bucks and yeah so i have been playing a lot of uh isaac in between sessions yeah so i said 600 hours i think 99 hours is basically 600 hours <laughs> <laughs> 99 uh, significantly less than uh 600 That's but yeah fine. no i'm I'm glad to hear you're an Isaac fan because I will be um I'll be talking to you about this at length later because uh, as a game that I can uh, talk about forever I'm a huge fan of that game. Yeah, and as we know, Patrick does like to waffle on for hours about video games. <laughs> Definitely true. Talking about that, uh, our episode this week is on Kirby's Nightmare in Dreamland. So um, here on the Retrospectives podcast, what we try and do is we look at classic old games through a modern lens. So this week, we're looking at this game from, I think it's 1998 or so, James. Uh, it's a, maybe a bit later. It's, it's, a, it's a Game Boy Advance game from 2002. We, we both played this game through to completion, uh, James and I, and uh, we're going to have a discussion now about whether it's worth playing today. We're not disputing whether this game is a classic, because obviously it is. Everyone knows about it. Um, Kirby has an ongoing legacy in Super Smash, if nothing else. It's a question of if when, when I picked this game up two weeks ago and started playing it, did I enjoy it and would I recommend it to people to play today? So the way we played it today, uh, well, this fortnight was we were just playing on an emulator. You know, you download a ROM, you download the emulator and you play it. I definitely don't have a Game Boy Advance and I doubt uh, you still have yours, James. No, mine, uh, mine went through the wash many years ago. <laughs> just just on that front, there's nothing special you need to do. Any any ordinary ROM will work. Um, you didn't encounter any issues, did you, James? No, and it's a breath of fresh air compared to our last few experiences. Um Max Payne, Pokemon Snap, and the upcoming Thief game all require a bunch of fixes to get running on modern hardware. So, you know, it's nice that Kirby's just a plug-and-play experience. 
Yes, uh, and that's a thing that will keep happening with these old PC games since they've been updated hundreds and thousands of times over the years. So get used to it, Jimmy, because uh, we're not going to stop doing PC games anytime soon. I mean, as long as I don't have to go through that experience we had with Red Alert 2 again, I think I'll be sweet. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say Prince of Persia, but... Uh, oh, fuck that Red, <laughs> Red Alert 2 is as bad as it gets and I'll take it. So um, an introduction to Kirby's Nightmare in Dreamland. The game doesn't tell you much at the very beginning, but I believe you're in some sort of fantasy dreamland and something bad happens, like some wanders kidnapped or whatever, and you need to beat the bad people to assemble the wands. You're doing a great that, job of that, selling this. Is, is that is that about right, James? How would you, have I got the story right? I mean, the story's pretty vague to start off with. You know, essentially, that's the basic context. You're in Kirby's world, and this magical uh, MacGuffin called the Star Rod has been stolen, and you need to get it back. And that's basically the start of the story. There's not a whole lot to it. It's really just there to be like, yeah, on your way, go find it, have fun. So you go through a series of seven worlds, about five to six, seven levels in each. Um, six and levels and a to, boss, generally, yeah. Yeah, and you have to um, reach the end of each level. It's a platforming game. There are enemies, you're jumping on platforms, you're flying around, you gain power-ups. All you need to do to finish a level is to reach the end, except that there are also boss battles and you need to defeat the bosses and mini-bosses as you progress. And that's pretty much the entire game. So, James, you picked Kirby's Nightmare in Dreamland, not me. I'm not a GBA person. You're a resident GBA person. So I'm going to get you to kick off the discussion for us. What do you want to talk about this game? Why did you choose it? What makes it special? Well, you just called this game a platformer, and I am really on the fence about that definition. Um, In Kirby, uh, as you may have seen in Super Smash Bros., which is probably most people's first experience with the character, is that Kirby has the ability to fly, which, you know, in effect negates any sort of platforming challenge that this game could throw at you. And unlike in Smash, your ability to fly is completely unlimited. You can do it as much as you want. How did you feel about this? I definitely thought that it gave the game a much more relaxed and kind of easy breezy atmosphere on the whole. Yeah, so this is going to be a recurring theme in my feelings about this game, but basically Kirby is one of the least challenging games I've ever played in my life. And the ability to fly over most obstacles certainly added to that feeling and was a large part of it. The thing is, though, even if you couldn't fly with Kirby, I still think this game would be pretty easy in terms of being a platformer. There are one or two points where the corridors get pretty cramped and um, certain, I guess, health ups and one ups are hidden behind some things which you could say resemble platforming, like uh, jumping over a set of spikes, like a single set of spikes. But yeah, I, I just don't know how to how else to describe it other than a platformer. You certainly come to the rest on platforms and when you have a power up in your mouth, you can't fly. So you are on the ground some percentage of the time. But yeah, certainly the ability to give your you know ability to fly nonstop does negate a lot of the traditional challenges associated with platformers. Yeah, and let's get this out of the way from the start. This is definitely an adventure aimed at a younger audience. So in many ways, I think that the low challenge here is appropriate for the target audience. Um, But, you know, if you're an older person coming into this game, just be aware that it's more of a fun adventure sort of thing rather than the Dark Souls of platformers. This game is designed for 10-year-olds. Yeah. Um, 
from the aesthetic and the atmosphere to the challenge. And it's actually unusual because I'm used to stories in video games being terrible, characters being terrible, writing being terrible. It comes with the territory. Video games are still a pretty, even today, it's still a pretty immature form of storytelling with notable exceptions. The thing about games from this era, though, is that that difficulty was often way out of whack with the sort of aesthetic and storytelling that existed. Here, it's a perfect meeting. Um, The aesthetic is for children and the challenge is appropriate for children. Yeah, you're right. And that aesthetic is definitely accurate for the target audience that it's aiming for. Um, I thought the aesthetic was pretty good. I think that this game is the kind of game that will never really look bad. It's got its art style and it pulls it off really well. There's a lot of little attention to detail in the animations of Kirby bouncing around, you know, swallowing items and fighting enemies. And I thought it was quite charming overall. Yeah, see, maybe I'm just a cynical old man, which I am, but this sort of like happy-go-lucky, friendly, fluffy aesthetic just doesn't do anything for me. It's the same with, um, you know, with a lot of this chip-tune music that we've been covering. It's just not interesting. And I understand this game isn't designed for me, but my opinion on this is that Yes, the game looks fine. Yes, I'm sure a lot of effort was put into the animation, but it just doesn't appeal to me. It's not It's not interesting. It's so, I find it bland. And, and maybe that's a little unfair, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I will say uh, a lot of it did remind me of the Mega Man aesthetic, uh, the Battle Network aesthetic. I don't know if you were feeling that at all. No, not at all. <laughs> the, the big thing for me is that when you um, suck in a, an enemy and you take that attribute, it shows up what their, um, like you'll have the ice ability or the fire ability in a little block in the corner of your screen. And I swear that looks exactly like the uh, Mega Man cards. But, you know, m- maybe I'm reaching a bit here. Yeah, maybe a little. Um, we've touched on this a couple times already now without explaining it, so apologies. But um, one of the main mechanics in the Kirby games is that a lot of the enemies have a very distinctive style of attack. For example, um, there's a little red boy that can breathe fire at will. And Kirby's main way of interacting with the world is you know, opening his mouth to massive proportions and sucking the enemy into his gob at which point you can swallow them and steal their ability for your own. Um, You can only have one ability at a time, and if you take a hit of damage, you will lose the ability. Um, So that's probably your main way of interacting uh, with the world that Patrick was referring to. And honestly, I think that the suck-in and the swallow animation is done really well. I find that getting a new ability in this game is extremely satisfying and probably, you know, the most joy I got out of the game. So the problem is, and here's the thing, it feels like a missed gameplay opportunity to me because while I agree with you that it was cool to get a new ability, 95% of the time it really doesn't matter what ability you get because they're all so strong. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, no, I actually, I actually agree with you here. Like, um, The best parts of this game are when the level design reflects the abilities that you've just gotten before. Um, for example, you know, my favorite part of the game 
are these levels that require you to have the you know the car tire ability which allows you to spin up into a wheel like sonic and dash around the level and you know when the levels are designed that you need to be able to dash like this to get across the uh the platforms or even just to do them most efficiently uh that was definitely the most fun i was having when i was playing this yeah but all of the abilities are extremely strong like See, once again, part of the problem is that the difficulty level is low to begin with, that even without this ability to take on um, the attributes of these enemies you fight, it would still be a relatively easy game. When you get the abilities of these enemies, which are often these huge AoE attacks that one-shot enemies, it feels like it doesn't matter what you have. And yes, there were certain abilities that I enjoyed having over others, but in the end, if you get any ability, it becomes even easier to blitz through the level so you don't really care what you ultimately have. You're you're going to smash through the level in record time, destroying everything in your wake with no problems. So why there's no real incentive to have one ability over the other. No, no gameplay incentive at least. I think you're being too harsh on the difficulty here. I mean, we know that it's designed for a younger audience, so kind of going into this game, you know, once I got past the first or two levels, I kind of, like, said to myself, yeah, like, I get that it's super easy, so I'll focus on, you know, what's kind of fun, right? Um, And that, you know, for me was the experimentation, getting new abilities and just, like, playing with them like they're a toy box. They're not... It's not a challenging game, but I think you can definitely have fun... Uh, messing around with the skills that you can like, get. Fair enough that you had fun, but to me, what's the point of a game if it's not challenging me in some way? Like I, I, it's like it's like if I were to fire up. I've I've been playing a lot of Mario Maker recently. I, I just bought it, and in Mario Maker there are four difficulties: easy, normal, hard, expert. Now there are some levels on normal I still struggle with on Mario. I'm I'm not I'm definitely not very good at Mario by any stretch. But I have literally zero incentive to fire up Mario Maker on easy and do these baby challenges that I couldn't fail if I tried. And to me, that's the equivalent of what playing um Kirby is. Because yes, there's lots of cool things on these in some of these easy levels. But there's no challenge. And I don't know. I want my games to have a semblance of challenge to them. And the only times I really had fun with this game were the one or two times where the challenge I felt ramped up to an appropriate difficulty. Yeah, which I guess to me was most some of the mini bosses and like later on in the game, some of the bigger bosses. Um, I can kind of understand um, requiring challenge to feel accomplished in a game. Um, but to me, like, it's less about, you know, rising to the challenge and more about just having some good, meaningless fun, you know, like the eating of an ice cream of video games, something like that. Yeah, I, I just have a different, um, I guess, take on what it is that is fun in video games, I guess. To, to me, challenge is an intrinsic part of it, and it doesn't need to be challenge in the sense that it's a gameplay challenge. Sometimes it can be a you know, a cerebral challenge. Like uh, there are walking simulators that I've enjoyed because you're piecing a story together and, and that can be a meaningful um, experience because it causes you to reflect on it. Kirby was just, I don't know, I was, I was just going, I was just holding down right and pressing B a lot, I guess. I, I wasn't having fun with it because it wasn't, 
it wasn't challenging me. I, I, I don't know. And the thing is, it's not a true sandbox game either. You are trying to go from point A to B. You are trying to finish the game. So I wasn't really having fun with it, even though I can see how it could be fun for others. You take no joy in the little, like the cute animations and the like, the easy whimsical music and, you know, just kind of generally just being there and um, just enjoying the kind of charm. Because this game's main appeal, in my opinion, is definitely its charm, which I think it has in absolute spades from the character animations to the little jingle that plays when you complete a like a difficult boss, well, maybe not difficult, but a boss that's challenging compared to the rest of the game and that kind of thing. I think that's where, you know, a lot of my enjoyment from the game came from. So once again, I, I feel I feel bad because I'm just, in a lot of ways, I'm saying the same thing, but I find that, that I guess, happy aesthetic, I don't, I just cannot connect with it. I can't find it charming. See, a game like Psychonauts is a game that I find charming and the the visual design in that game is so interesting and fascinating there's so many different things they do with ideas i feel like this is just a happy-go-lucky thing you're going from clouds to going over an airship i i'm just not i'm not emotionally engaged with what i'm seeing and for something to be charming i really need something a little bit extra i found banjo kazooie a more charming game than than Kirby. I I don't know, man. I once again, I am sorry. I I think that this game has an audience, but I don't think that audience is me. And I, I just wasn't engaged with this game in the way that you seem to be. No, that's fair enough. I can understand that. And part of it for me is definitely nostalgia because I've played this game when I was quite young, um, whereas you haven't. So that can definitely add to my enjoyment. Um, what I would like to get from you uh, is, even though I can't convince you that Kirby is an absolute charming adventure game, do you think that the graphics and sound um, and the aesthetic have held up regardless of your personal feelings? Yes. Like, if you, you do? Absolutely. Um I think this this is one of the better Game Boy Advance titles, uh, like gra- graphically, that I've seen. I think that I was playing this game on full screen on my computer, and it still looked fantastic. Uh, normally, when you start to spread these Game Boy Advance games out from the you know one sixteenth corner of your computer that they occupy, it lo- it starts to look garbage and stretched. I think the game looks really good even when stretched out. I don't like it, but it is a consistent aesthetic that is appropriate for children. Everything that I want to say about this game is that I recommend this game to children. If you have kids that are 10 years old, this is like the perfect game in so many ways. Is it an enjoyable game in a lot of ways for me in how it looks and how it plays? No, not really. No, that's fair enough. Um, I think as long as you can... uh admit that i'm perfectly happy i'm glad you're Um, happy (laughs) because it doesn't sound like you were um so one of the biggest failings in this game for me is that because the biggest joy for me was messing around with the new abilities i think that the fact that you see every single ability before the halfway point of this game is a real disappointment Finding something new is fun, and I enjoyed getting a new ability and getting to mess around with, but once I'd seen each one like six or eight times, they started to lose their luster a bit, 
So the fact that there wasn't anything new and exciting later on, you know, really dampened the joy of this game for me. Yeah, there's also the fact that bosses start getting reused. Um, you, you just start fighting, in addition to fighting the same enemies over and over, you start fighting the same bosses over and over. And that's not including the boss rush towards the end of the game. They just start throwing similar bosses at you. So, uh, yeah, the the game has all of these cool steel abilities. Like you said, the tire or the fire or there's a laser, and I feel it doesn't do enough with them. Th- this game could actually, gameplay-wise, be stretched out if they were to fully commit to basing levels around abilities. And you can incorporate uh, puzzle challenges, platforming challenges, whatever you want to do, if they made them focused around each individual ability but they don't do that they just they're just kind of like largely samey looking levels where they're throwing abilities at you left right and center yeah i can get behind that for me if they were to do that every level would need to be completable with a with several different abilities but you'd need to play it differently depending on the one you have yeah once again easier said than done right (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah let's um let's talk about bosses now for a bit if you like yeah, sure. Um, but before that, um, last week we tried a new thing with the music where we introduced each track before we played it and it worked out pretty well. Um, we've got a bunch of good feedback about that, so I guess we'll keep doing it. Um, so let's give off the first piece of music and then we'll go straight into the discussion about the bosses. Here's a track um, that plays during the boss tower boss rush near the end of the game and it happens to be one of my personal favourites. So talking about bosses, um, I didn't actually hate the bosses. I thought that they were one of the more interesting parts gameplay-wise. But I will say that once again, they were too easy. Um, the big problem is that most of these bosses died in like four hits. Like they have this big health bar and they all die in four hits. Yeah, if you have the right ability, they can die even faster. Like there's an ability that allows you to turn into a stone and drop to the floor that you may know from Smash if you've played that. Um, And I found that ability uh, was able to one hit most bosses if you timed it correctly. So yeah, I definitely agree that they were too easy. Yeah, if you you don't have a power up when you go into these rooms, um, all the bosses will follow a pattern where they have three attacks one of which is a uh, they'll shoot out some sort of projectile that you can swallow up and shoot back at them i uh, so if you don't have a power when you go in you dodge the two attacks quite easily because you can fly 
and then you suck in one of the projectile attacks and shoot it back at them. You do that four times, you win the boss fight. Yeah, that didn't strike the right balance for me, honestly. Um, when you had an ability, the bosses were way too easy. And when you didn't have the ability, they were still easy. They just took um, long enough that I got bored fighting them, honestly. I hated not having ability fighting those bosses. We are spoiled by modern games with their, you know, bosses with 22 different attack patterns that you need to memorize and bosses who have can interrupt their attacks halfway through and transition into other ones. And that's the barometer of challenge by which we judge things nowadays. I yeah, think. but again, in the context of this being a game designed for kids, I think the level of challenge here is completely appropriate, honestly. There's like two or three patterns to remember and you know that's that's perfectly fine for kids that age right oh yeah absolutely like what once again all these criticisms that i have with the game are based around my enjoyment playing through it today um all of these things which are downsides are probably significant upsides if you're 10 years old so i i should specify it doesn't have to be exactly 10 probably 8 to 10 is more accurate or someone who's never played a video game in their life before but um yeah it's just not particularly compelling uh, i will say the final boss i enjoyed um i thought i thought that was good it's like a multi-stage fight or at one point it goes into a um a side-scrolling shooter once again not crazy difficult but there was at least a little more variety in what you were going through in that final fight yeah it was definitely a good way to kind of capstone the adventure i did enjoy that um the other fight that stood out to me as being kind of fun was the one against that big eyeball that you need the high jump to do that kind of you know uh you know that jumper game you get on your iphone where you just jump up on the clouds endlessly it starts off with that and then turns into a boss fight at the end and i thought it was you know kind of fun i lost about ooh, four or five uh four or five lives trying to kill it uh without jumping to the top without jumping to the top yeah oh I was my like, God. what's going on why aren't my attacks connecting this is really weird wow an actual challenging boss fight and then i figured out you could just keep going up and up and up and then it was just another ordinary boss fight so i was stumped the game's too hard. Yeah, you're right. Game designed for 10-year-olds. Patrick Arthur cannot beat. <laughs> I couldn't overcome it. I thought I thought it was actually... And, you know, it kept getting rid of the clouds. And I'm like, oh, I see. So with this boss fight, you need to fight it without a floor. I'm like, wow, they're, they're actually kicking up the challenge oh a bit. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were not kicking up the challenge. I love, I love that you mentioned this after ripping on the difficulty for so long. <laughs> uh, listen, man, I, I, I need to admit as well, I did not go through this game without dying. I died a lot. Yeah, I died a lot defense, too. In my defense, the reason I died a lot was that I was being playing incredibly carelessly. Um, when... When all these enemies die in one hit and you're kind of flying through the level and enemies uh, respawn behind you, kind of like heavily discouraging going backwards, it means that there's a sense of carelessness to how you play. You're kind of just like, uh, I kept holding down buttons and spamming my attack key. And maybe you're like, well, you're clearly a noob because you died. And if you'd played more carefully, you would have been more honest about the challenge of this game but i don't think so because it felt almost random a lot of the time that there's i don't know if you had the issue with like enemies like coming out of nowhere and flying across the screen at a thousand kilometers an hour um 
No, that wasn't really an issue for me, but I did uh, actually experience getting hit a lot in this game. And I'm surprised that you didn't mention this earlier, but I think the controls in this game are slightly less precise than they could be. I don't know how you felt about that, but Kirby moves with an almost, like, momentum. If you, if you run at full speed and then let go of the stick, he still runs forward a couple of steps, and if you try to pivot on the spot after running for a little while, he takes like a second and a half to turn around and cancel his momentum. So if an enemy appears in front of you out of uh, out of nowhere, it's pretty much impossible to avoid like crashing into it. Yeah, I couldn't tell if I was being bad or not, but I definitely felt that way. I felt turning around in particular was very difficult. So that's that's probably exactly what you said. And it was it was frustrating, but I, I thought I might have been doing something wrong. It was hard to tell because I never really felt like I had to stop and slow down and play carefully. I was playing like a madman and I was getting through with plenty of extra lives and health most of the time. So I continued to play like a madman. Uh, I don't know what happens on the game over screen if you run out of lives. I assume it doesn't punish you too badly. No, I don't think it does. I never ran the lives either. Um, the game has a lot of lives hidden about the place that you can go and find, and at the end of each level, there's a little mini game that if you do perfectly, you get a bonus life as well, and I got, you know, I got a fair amount of lives off of that. Um, I don't know, how often did you get the bonus life at the end? It's just, you just got a time hitting A at the correct time to well, get it. Well, when I first started, I got basically zero and then i was gained at about 50 percent of the time once i got the timing down which is probably me being a noob once again but there's something about how abrupt it is like when you exit the level you're immediately dropping down and um it it often threw me off and i wasn't quite ready for it really okay each of the end of the level doors has a blue glow on it so you know um to expect it yeah it's more like as as soon as you go through the door as soon as it's loading in you start dropping so i never really got a chance to like take a breath and uh get ready for the mini game to start but you know yeah uh, when, once i got the hang of it it was about 50 percent. so yeah i was i was pretty cashed up on lives the entire way through the only time it got scary was at eye level where I, where I lost I lost like four lives in oh a row falling to my death uh, trying trying to kill it uh, the invulnerable monster <laughs> um, the uh, there are other mini games in the game as well um, and there are the yes. opportunities to get extra lives so um, there's a rail grinding mini game where you there are certain sections of the track where you can't grind over so it's just pressing a and releasing it at the right times which was far and away the easiest mini game. Yeah, I liked that one. That was my favorite. Um, I actually quite liked the addition of the mini games in this game. You don't play any of them more than maybe two or three times throughout the whole adventure, and there's about four or five of them. So you know they don't outstay their welcome, and they usually only take about a minute to complete. So I thought they really hit the sweet spot of what you want out of a mini game. I actually agree. I think the mini games are a good inclusion because they're all simple and timing based. Um, Apart from the grinding one, there's like a, um, I don't know what you'd call it. It's it's like uh, you have to keep a ball up in the air by hitting it with your tennis racket. It's hot potato. It's hot potato. <laughs> no one no one knows what, yeah, yeah, hot potato. Forgive my brain, my brain fluff. So it's hot potato, which I was surprisingly sucky at. I think I only won that game once out of the three times I tried it, getting knocked out almost immediately both times. And then there's the uh, Samurai Sword game, which I also sucked at. Yeah, it's like a quick draw. You have to wait until this icon flashes on the screen. And as soon as 
the icon appears. You have to press A faster than your opponent. And, you know, near the end of that game, it can get quite... The timing can get quite tight, you know, under eight frames or so. Yeah, so King DD kept uh, kept taking me out to the cleaners in that game. Yeah, the level select screen also has arenas where you can fight bosses for an ability and, like, a museum, which is just a room that has two abilities for you to choose from before going on to the next it's, level. It's a cool idea, right? It's just um, you don't need it. Like, there's there's no real gameplay incentive where you're like, wow, I really want this ability for this mission. Like, whether you take them or you don't, the outcome of the mission is going to be identical. Yeah, I agree. I think that if the game was more challenging, that choice would be more meaningful. But I guess as it stands, it's just choose the ability that you think's yep. the most fun. Which, for me, was pretty much always the wheel whenever I could get <laughs> the, it. The wheel, the wheel was good. <laughs> because I just I just really like going fast. Um, and then the UFO was also kind of fun. I don't know if you figured it out, but depending on how long you held the attack button while as a UFO, it came up with a different attack. No, I, ne- I never figured that out. I, I honestly didn't use the UFO uh, more than once or twice. Yeah, it's a pretty strong ability, so you only get it, you know, a couple times in the whole game. Other than that, my favorite ability was probably the electricity attack, just because I thought the animation on it was really cool, and I definitely spent more than a couple of minutes just holding the button and looking at it. Um, So, you know, definitely easily entertained. Oh my, are you serious? You sat there for two minutes holding down the B key. Well, not two minutes at one time, like (laughs) 10 seconds, like 20 times. I, so, I, can, yeah. I can see why About this that. game appeals to you. You seem to be of simple mind. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little. <laughs> Fuck you, Patrick. <laughs> um, I also really liked electricity. It was quite funny. There was an ability that was like electricity, but instead of killing everything, it just froze enemies. And I'm like, why is this in the game? It's just worse than electricity. But uh, Yeah, you mean, yeah. Oh, the bouncy ball was fun too. Um, if you could get it going for a while, you're just shooting all over the screen. Yeah, I couldn't... I, I couldn't figure out how to be invulnerable during it, though. There was another... It, the ball one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was weirdly invulnerable some of the time, but not the rest of the time. So I, I preferred the wheel because it just... You were just invulnerable as you were soniking around. Okay, fair enough. Um, was there anything else gameplay-wise you wanted to talk about before music? Um, Not in particular. It's just um, once... Yeah, it, it just feels like missed opportunity. They had the capability of perhaps doing more with the gameplay but in the end they chose for something a lot more simplistic um the way you go through the levels is very um straightforward just going from a to b with basically zero puzzle solving uh so yeah yeah. there was a couple of little instances but like maybe like four yeah not too many it wasn't it wasn't non-existent there were a couple um with you know secret switches that opened up boss arenas or mini games in the main world so they weren't nothing but um on the whole gameplay wise this game was a disappointment for me um actually i want to go back and talk about the collectibles because there are a bunch of hidden items throughout the levels but they're only hp ups or extra lives and considering that the lack of difficulty this game has you know you basically have no incentive to go out of your way to find them other than you know the pleasure of finding something regardless of what it is you're just overflowing with lives the whole game so you know getting another one isn't that exciting honestly um the only the only thing that i enjoyed finding was the big button that opens a new area in the hub world but that was about it 
Yeah, because it's a big button, so it's got a lot going for it. <laughs> it's got a star and it refills your health as well. So when, when I found my first big button, I was like, oh my god, there's an additional layer to this game. When when I first started playing this game, James, and I started getting abilities, I'm like, oh my god, like this game appears simple, but there must be so much hidden stuff going on beneath the surface <laughs> that I'm like completely unaware of. And then as I kept playing, I was like, I don't think there is. I think I think this is actually just the game. And um, I was fully prepared to look like an idiot when I was like, James, I can't find anything, but there's not really much to find, unfortunately. No, there really isn't. It's funny because the game's first level sets you up with this really big expectation, right? Mm Because the simple concept of just being able to ingest any ability of any enemy, you know, really good on paper, right? That's really exciting. And then I guess the kind of like lack of a difficulty curve kind of you know, ends in disappointment if you're not just expecting a simple fun adventure. Yeah, lack of an exploration of the mechanics. It, it didn't need to be difficult. I, I would have settled for more variety, I guess. I don't need to be challenged every step of the way, but it would have been cool if there was, I don't know, you know, like the laser power-up, uh, which shoots yes. a laser that rebounds off objects. There's a lot you can do with that, um, a, lot of, a lot of cool things, and it's used a tiny amount where you need to bounce your laser off one surface to hit the roof, and I'm like, this is cool, but then that's, that's as complicated as it gets. There's no switches or, um, or things that require precision through gaps. It's just never explored. So it's not just difficulty, it's also variety, and Kirby doesn't have it either. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, you know, gameplay is fine for a younger audience, um, but if you're a bit older and don't have the nostalgia goggles that I did, you might be a little disappointed with this one. So with that said, we're going to jump on into a discussion about the music, so I'm going to leave you with a track that you're probably very familiar with, which is King DDD's theme or better known as Gourmet Race, and this song has been remixed many, many times and reused throughout Kirby's series and throughout Super Smash Bros. It's a very popular legacy track, so hope you enjoy. James music 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 I'm always rubbish with these music discussions and I always feel uh, yeah you absolutely are <laughs> I always feel bad at the end of it because all the people who love this these video games music must uh, hate my assessments but uh, unfortunately this is another another soundtrack where I'm very eh about it it's not bad it's not great I liked the boss tower theme I liked the um the theme where you get attacked by the army of Meta Knights even though it was kind of a short, loopy track. But uh, yeah, it's just not super interesting. Um, I preferred Mega Man's music to this, I guess, for a point of reference. It was it was okay. It fit the aesthetic, absolutely, but it didn't really perk my interest in any substantial way. 
Really, anything that uh, is upbeat in nature, you're just not a fan of, right? I think that I like music that's more complex or instrument-driven. The chiptune stuff just, it's so, it feels very bland and generic to me. And I know that's probably not true, but it's hard for me to tell how all these different tracks sound, these simple, happy, happy music ones. I like it when it gets more intense, when the music gets faster, because I feel it gives it more of its own identity. And I prefer more modern takes on music because, you know, with the addition of vocals and instruments and more real music, you get a larger variety in sounds. But this kind of music just doesn't speak to me. And that's okay. Um, it certainly fits the aesthetic, but yeah, it doesn't, didn't love it by any stretch. Yeah, so despite Patrick having general shit taste when it comes to video <laughs> game soundtracks, um, I actually mostly agree with him this time around. I think the soundtrack absolutely fits the game's aesthetic. Overall, I would say that the soundtrack does a good job, but there are only two tracks on the entire soundtrack that really speak, like really excite me, and you know that is the Boss Tower theme and King DDD's theme that we've both shown you today. And apart from that, the tracks I would describe as being upbeat, decent, but none of the other tracks apart from those two that I've mentioned really do it for me um, outside of just being acceptable for the game. I think that, honestly, the sound effects in this game are probably the best part of the, of the sound design um, in general. I really like the sound on all of the abilities. The little sounds Kirby makes when he puffs out air and bounces off a surface. Um, I think they all do an excellent job of adding to the charm and the cuteness that the game is going for. So those little details are my favorite part of the sound. And, you know, those two music tracks, really, really good. Especially King Dedede's theme, um, which, as I said before, has gone on to become a fan favorite. But other than that, I don't think it's a standout soundtrack as a whole. It's just, it's good. It's above average for me, but it's not exceptional. To give you an idea of how mad I'm at, I am about it, I prefer Banjo Kazooie's soundtrack to this. Like, it, wow, yeah, it's you really hated that one too. So I, I, I think I overstated how much I hated it because the game irritated me in a lot of other ways. But I feel Banjo Kazooie's soundtrack has more character than this soundtrack, and it's I don't know. There's just more variety to the sort of sounds you hear depending on what level you're in. You know, when you're underwater or in a cave, it has a different tenure to it this was just yeah generic happy music and that appeals to some people it doesn't appeal to me it's just so it's it's so vapid it's so empty and nothing and i haven't felt happiness for a long time james so i can't relate to it. <laughs> yeah sounds about right um you know as i said <laughs> oh my god fuck you um as i said before uh an earlier episode i do think banjo's soundtrack's exceptional but i think that this this is just good um it fits the aesthetic it's you know the little jingle when you complete a level i really liked um but it's i'm not gonna go out of my way to listen to too many of these tracks when i'm not playing the game but overall it's fine is there anything else you wanted to touch on? This is going to be a pretty short episode just because the game... Actually, the game itself is really short. Um, it's about... You can finish it in about two hours. Um, I guess I guess considering how little fun you sound like you had with it, that was a big plus for you? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is, there's not much to talk about this game. Um, I will say that there are optional additional, mo- uh, like, difficulty modes. There's one that I think just halves your available life points. And then after that, there's one where you get to play as a different character as Meta Knight. But you need to 100% the game on extra mode or something, so it takes takes a while to unlock. So perhaps with fewer lives, this game gets more difficult, but I, I don't really think so. Maybe you have to play slightly more carefully, but I I just think that it's too easy to kill enemies and it's too easy to um, avoid damage on the whole that it's probably still not not too bad. So, um, yeah, I... If if you really love this game, that it, it can get more difficult if you finish it, but uh, we we only played the base mode. Yeah, it's a pretty short game, and there's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, for me, if I was to conclude uh, my opinions on this game, it would be that Kirby has absolutely held up. It's the kind of game that I don't think will ever look dated or sound super dated or play super datedly. Um, I think you could play this game in a hundred years and it would still, you know, be just as good. Um, as for fun, uh, personally, now that I've grown up a bit since I last played it, the game's lack of challenge does, like, is a bit detrimental to me. But, you know, when I approached the game knowing that it was super easy, I had a bit of fun. It's charming. It sounds good. It looks good. Um, and, you know, it's generally just enjoyable and relaxing to play. So I did manage to get some fun out of this game, um, and I would 100% absolutely recommend it for a younger audience or people who are looking to get, you know, a big nostalgia hit from the game. Um, but for new people, I guess this game is more of a historical game for Kirby fans than, you know, something that I would go out of my way to play. That said, the game is only about two hours long, so it's really hard for me to say, no, you shouldn't play this. Um, So if you've got any interest in it at all, you know, absolutely give it a crack. I think it has held up very well. Uh, I think that if you have any sort of familiarity with video games, if you've been playing video games for a while, that you should not play Kirby. It's just too easy. It's not compelling enough. If you have a kid or you know someone younger who um, who is getting into video games in the age bracket that we were talking about, this game is perfect. It's not too difficult. It's got a great friendly aesthetic. Um, even the story is something that a kid can relate to. You're in the land of dreams and you're trying to defeat the nightmares. It's got this childlike story quality to it. But in terms of was this a fun game to, for me to play, Absolutely not. And I'm pretty sure that most people in my age bracket who have been or people who with any familiarity with games will not have a lot of fun playing Kirby. I recommend it for children A+. For me, though, it's a a dismal failure. I, I really wanted them to do something a lot more interesting with the mechanic of stealing abilities because that is such a fantastic, interesting starting point and it never goes anywhere. So... I've been like this the entire game. Like, if you love Kirby, if this is an important part of your childhood, I understand and appreciate that. But in terms of how fun this was for me to play today, absolutely not. Don't recommend. It's not worth the two hours of your time. But you do think that it's held up well, right? We, and we did touch on this before. Yeah, it's held up well for children. Um, and, and that's what it comes down to. This game is eternally a child's game. A child could play this today and have a fantastic time. I fully believe that. 
uh, it's held definitely held up in that regard. Has it held up in terms of if you go back and play this game from your memories, will you have an equally good time? Maybe if you're relying on nostalgia, but if you're honest with yourself about the gameplay experience, probably not. Yeah, I think that's fair. This game, I think, holds up purely in aesthetics and not so much gameplay. Um, so yeah, if you've got kids, given this game, they'll have a great time. Okay, so that's about all we have. Um, I hope you've enjoyed our cast on um, Kirby. So please do direct all your hate mail to me, Patrick. Uh, you can find us at uh, retrospectivespodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet uh, at retpodcast. That's at R-E-T podcast. Or simply reply in uh, in the Reddit threads that we make every week on the um, Yeah, and I'm sure Patrick will be getting a lot of shit this week, and yeah. I thoroughly enjoy reading it all, so I, um, just, you know, let him have it. <laughs> so Sometimes I look forward to the discussions. Uh, this week I'm scared to post to the Kirby subreddit in case I get drowned in hate, but at least at least James will uh, will be safe from uh, from the vitriol. <laughs> but yeah, please do send us... Um, send us oh, uh, we've also just launched a Discord Discord. So we'll include a link to our Discord in the show notes. Please do come check us out. We are actively looking for future suggestions on games for us to uh, to play. Or if you have any feedback or just want to have a chat, please do drop by. But particularly if you have an idea for a game which you think is worth talking about, then please let us know because, uh, you know, there's only so many good games out there. And uh, if you don't suggest anything, I'm going to have to keep playing these Game Boy Advance yeah, titles. So if, you have an, if you have a suggestion that you think Patrick will absolutely hate, please, please let us know. I will choose it immediately. Please, um, no JRPGs, <laughs> please. Although one thing we'll say is we do try to look for titles that are about less than 24 hours long just because of, um, we, you know, I work a full-time job and Patrick works as well. So we only have so much time to play each fortnight. Um, so shorter titles are appreciated, but if there's a uh, you know a slightly longer title that you think would be excellent for the show, we might we might make some space for it. You know that's actually the reason I chose Kirby this week because it was you know a very short game, and our next game is actually quite long. So we've been a uh, you know making some extra space to fit that one in, and it's a game that Patrick is very fond of. I am uh, so excited, James. So our next game is Thief, the original Thief, also known as Thief Gold um, from 1998. And in a lot of ways, when we first started this podcast, Thief and, you know, games by Looking Glass Studios, you know, System Shock and games like this, these are the games I wanted to revisit because I've played a lot more of the modern versions of these titles, you know, Dishonored and Prey and, um, you know, even Bioshock 1 has some links to these games. But the titles came out kind of before my time when I was an age where I wasn't excited about these more slow-paced thinking, F, you know, first-person games. And Thief is always one that I've wanted to try. So, um I'm very much looking forward to next week's episode on Thief. Next week? Sorry, next fortnight's episode on Thief, I should say. Yeah, you get it right, mate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Um, I never played any of the Thief games. Um, The closest experience I have is playing Elder Scrolls and, you know, playing Kleptomania Simulator in them and just picking up everything (laughs) on the floor that I can. Uh, So it'll be a good experience for me. 
so um, that about does it. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode and we will see you in a fortnight's time for our next episode, episode 15, where we talk about Thief Gold. See you next time. Bye.